Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you will find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Leslie. I'm Leslie, I'm a compulsive reader and a believer. I'm really, really grateful. I want to welcome you if you're new to Overeaters Anonymous. This is the place to come when you can't stop eating, you know, can't stop eating and are out of answers. And, um, you know, I, I don't think anybody wants to come to OA, you know, like, sort of like this, you know. Um, but I know for me, when I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I was, it's 1987, I was two years sober. I could not stop eating, and I could not stop throwing up, and I could not stop. Everything I tried didn't work, you know, and um, I came here not really wanting wanting what you had. I just didn't want what I had, and I, I believe that, you know, if you're new here, I hope that you're desperate because I think the gift of desperation is what keeps us here. I mean, you know, people don't just skip in here. It's, it's not a diet, you know. We're not here on a diet. I... uh Anyway, but I have been abstinent since November 18th, um, 1987, and um, I'm really, really grateful for that. You know, um, in my perfect, no. Do I care? No. I mean, now I really don't care. That's my big slogan, you know. Like, I, I, I am so much better, and I have a huge amount of freedom. Um, anyway, but I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I, um, You know, I grew up here. I grew up in Brentwood. Actually, my parents came from Kentucky, and uh, it's funny because I've thought a lot about my family lately. Um, my, uh, you know, my dad designed this. Uh, he worked for this company called SDS, and he designed this computer that was bought out by this company, which then was sold to Xerox. And you know, I had a great childhood. You know, we had horses. I went to private school. You know, but I mean, I'm also an alcoholic, so I was. Somebody, it's so sad. I just did this girl's hair today, and she had come from an AA meeting, and she said, oh, I told this girl I'm going to go have Leslie do my hair. And she goes, Leslie? She goes, oh, my God, I went to Crossroads with her. She was mean. <laughs> she goes, I don't want to go with you. And I'm like, God, it was like 20, it was long, seventh grade. I mean, it was a long time ago. And, um, you know, I just was, I, I just, I don't even know if I was so much mean, but I probably was really insecure. So I was very kind of cold and aloof, you know, and um, anyway, when I grew up, you know, I have this, I have a brother, my brother, his weight goes up and down, up and down, he's not alcoholic, my parents are not alcoholic, and um, my brother's really smart, my dad is really smart, you know, my stepmom just died like a week ago, you know, a week ago Friday, and um, everybody goes, how's your dad doing? I'm like, well, my dad, I get these emails like, like, you know, Nancy passed away, da 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 they're picking up her brain, we're sending it to USC for research, da 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 I'll see you tomorrow, you know, and it's, it's all very logical, we don't do screaming, high emotions, we're not hysterical, everybody deals with problem solution, you know, it's just, he's like a machine, he's like a computer, you know, and my brother's like that too, and, you know, I was this like skinny little kid, I was really um, athletic, I did gymnastics, I trained really hard. And the thing about me is that I was good at a lot of things, but I didn't feel that way inside. Like, my insides didn't match my outsides. So that's probably why I was so mean. Anyway, and my mom was always putting my brother on a diet. 
I think my, she was always paying him to lose weight or who knows. And I was pretty thin, you know, growing up. And, you know, like my mom cooked dinner. We had dinner every night. I hated family dinner. Um, we had dinner every single night. And, you know, she was a good cook. And I, I mean, more for me, you know, this is just my story. I mean, I started drinking and using when I was really young, when I was like 11, you know. And, um, I mean, by the time... Like, through high school, we would go on diets. Like, I just remember going on, we went on the Vidal Sassoon diet. Um, it was supposed to, I, I don't know, we would, like, starve, or we would juice. And then we would smoke pot, and then we would eat everything. You know, that was, like, the end of the diet, you know. And um, uh, I always wanted to fit into, like, my, my 24 jeans, you know, in high school. I think now it's so scary because they make jeans that are, like, 22s. Um, they go down to this very small size. And... Uh, you know, I always wanted to be thin. We were smoking. Uh, I smoked a ton of cigarettes, and um, I just had a weird... I- I'm kind of a starver, really. I mean, I'd rather not eat at all, you know. And uh, so when I started using all I did, I mean, I never would have dinner. Like, i drink rather than have dinner. I threw up all the time. You know, the thing... Like, when I was drinking, I could throw up and not mess my lipstick and just go on with the night. And I didn't think, like, throwing up was bad. I didn't see the point of eating unless you bought my dinner and then I might eat. But, you know, by the time I, I ended up... At the end of my drinking and using, I um, was doing a ton of crystal meth, a ton of MDA, which is like ecstasy. I mean, just weird stuff. And um, I uh, I didn't eat. I didn't go to the market. I didn't buy food. I didn't grocery shop. Like, I might eat a couple wheat thins with a little melted cheese on them. I, I mean, I just, I drank grape juice. I just was really, I, I was strung out on crystal, really. I, I didn't sleep. I smoked, and um, I was really skinny. And then I got sober, you know. Uh, my grandpa 12-step me. And I do believe so much, like what it says in the big book, where it talks about, it says one alcoholic can help another person where, like, nobody else can, you know, and that you know that they get it. And when my grandpa 12 stepped me into AA, we had nothing in common, but I knew, it's that language of the heart that um, is spoken here, and I knew that he knew where I had come from. And um, I went to AA, and I ended up getting sober June 19, 1985. I was 22 years old, and then then look out um i could not stop eating you know i i was smoking and then i quit smoking and then i was eating and i knew every aa meeting that had like i would like massive amounts of candy and i just i i couldn't stop eating you know and um i gained weight and then i totally learned how to throw up in aa you know which is so funny like from some cute like cute girls and um I ended up, I started to throw up, you know, and that is a torturous state in itself. You know, I um, I hated myself. I hated my body. I couldn't stop eating. Like, I, on my own free will, could not stop. I would eat food out of the trash. I would throw things away. I would pull them out. You know, I remember going to New York one time to visit my friend, and I was... Um, I would sit, she was at work, so I would do stuff in the day, but I remember eating this haagen and, like, eating and eating it, and then I threw it up, and then I was like, oh, forget it, and I ate the whole thing, and then I had to go back to the store, and then I had to eat it back down to the spot, because I'm sure everybody, you know, is watching their haagen Um and uh, it just, it was all that complicated, gross, trying to figure it out, you know, and um, I ended up, you know, um, I didn't throw up every day, 
I didn't eat any meals. I mean, I just had very bad, weird food habits. And um, I ended up, like, what would happen to me with bulimia is that I, would, I could eat, and then sometimes I would eat, and that switch would flip, and I'd go, I'm going to throw up. And once I thought that, I didn't care, like, if I threw up in a bush somewhere, I mean, I didn't care. You know, uh, you'd pray for, like, bathroom stalls that were single, you know, with nobody else in there with you. And... Um, and I would spend days, sometimes I started, I went back to school, and I was going to Santa Monica College and working and um, going to AA meetings, and I would sometimes spend, like, the whole day home just watching TV, eating, 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 throwing up. And somehow throwing up kind of makes you feel like you've got a one-up on it, like it erased it. Mm-hmm. And what it really did for me was it erased all the feelings I had inside of inadequacy, being less than, you know, just just how, like all that hatred like my friend used to say to me it's so funny she goes you pick up the big stick and just beat yourself to death like nobody else does that to you you do it to yourself like everybody else thinks you're doing great you know and and I would spend days just home isolated me food throw up brush my teeth I'd go off to my AA meeting and um uh when it, what ended up happening, I think, it, and then I, I backed up the plumbing at my mom's house, and it came up in the flower bed, which is never good. And um, <laughs> I was like, oh, bad plumbing, you know. Uh, and, and I just remember, I, I, I think one of the probably the most, like, kind of that pitiful, it wasn't really demoralization because only I knew about it, but towards the end, I'd throw up in bags and leave them in the closet, you know, and throw them out in the morning. And you know what? That's disgusting. I've seen it on TV. Now I've watched Intervention where they have bulimics. And on TV, it looks so sickening. Um, But I did it. And uh, I ended up telling my sponsor one night, she just looked at me. She took a good look at me and said, what's wrong with you? You know, and I was sober. I was doing really well in AA. And um, I said, there's nothing wrong with me. And... uh, I went home and I said, I just thought, you know what, I've lied to therapists, I can lie to anybody, I'm a big liar, but if I, I know with sponsorship, like my sponsor wanted nothing but the best for me, you know, she just wanted the best for me, so what it was the point of having a sponsor if I was going to lie to her and play that game with her, and so, I, but I thought if I tell her, the gigs, it's up, you know, it's over, and I'm going to get fat, you know, which I was already gaining weight anyway, and uh so I told her, I said, you know, I have this problem with food, and I've been throwing up. And um, she directed me to a woman who I still know today, who I don't actually think goes to OA now. But we talked, and um, she said, you can go to an OA meeting. And um, I, I knew how to go to meetings, so I looked out that directory, and I went to this meeting. I think it was on Thursday night at somebody's house in Brentwood. It was like a women's meeting. And... Um, I liked it. You know, I liked it in the way that I felt like these are my people. Like, it was an anorexic bulimic meeting, which I identified a lot with people like that. Um, I've learned, really, that I'm basically just a compulsive overeater. I just happen to throw out my food. But um, so I kept coming back, you know, and I started going to the Monday night. There was this big meeting at the Drug and Alcohol Center, and it was like at 8.45. It's so late, you know. It was an hour and a half long, and... Um, they were all crazy, and there was starving girls there. And um, I still am, like, friends with a lot of people from that, that time period. You know, it was in the 80s, and uh, on Santa Monica Boulevard upstairs. And I heard, and I believe this, is that if you keep coming back, I heard you will stop throwing up. If you keep coming back, 
you will stop. Because I, I was like, I'm coming, but I don't know if I'm going to do this. Like, I don't know if I can do it. And it's my experience is that I didn't do it. You know, when I surrendered, God did it for me. You know, that I don't really do anything. And um, I kept coming back, and um, I stopped throwing up, you know. And, and I, can, I can describe that day. It is so clear because it was Thanksgiving. And of 1987, I was sponsoring another girl in AA. She was in OA. Maybe she had more time than me, um, probably. And... Uh, we had to go to this big AA potluck, you know, which, you know, is a ton of food. And, um, and Sharon, this lady Sharon's house, who I still know today. And, and so I, I, my parents were out of town. I was living at my mom's then in the Palisades. And um, I was like, I can't go. I can't go. I, I, like, I couldn't go places that food was like, I, it's, I can't do it. I'm going to stay home, which meant I'm just going to eat and throw up at home. So, and she said, well, we'll go and we'll pray and we'll eat one plate of food. And I was like, I, okay. So, I mean, I, I went because I had, had good training. But so off we went to the party, and um, I remember we went in the bathroom, we got on our knees, and I asked God to please help me to just eat this one plate of food and not throw up. And um, we ate our one plate of food. I think we walked back into the bathroom, said another prayer, and um, I didn't throw up. I went off to an AA meeting that night where there was a ton more food, and that was my first day of abstinence. And, you know, um, I have been abstinent. I have not thrown up since that day, and that is my bottom line abstinence. A lot of other stuff has happened in there, but that I do not do no matter what, no matter what. And, I mean, I have to say, it doesn't matter what I put in my mouth, it is not coming back out, you know. And um, so that started my journey, you know, and I, um, I went to a lot of meetings, I was really active. You know, I had a lot of girlfriends. We were all crazy. You know, we used to go to Cafe Figaro. We were all really complicated orderers in the restaurant. You know, <laughs> with dressing on the side and no cheese. And, you know, it was all very complicated. Everybody was very complicated. And, um, uh, and we used to have this place called Shambhala down on Broadway and eat, uh-huh. like, like, brown rice and steamed vegetables and tofu. You know, um, it's very 80s. But, uh <laughs> And you know what? In that beginning time, I mean, I didn't throw up. I was so afraid I was going to get fat, you know. And I always have people write this thing for me when I start to sponsor them, you know, all the ways I tried to control my food and my weight, which is basically and and what surrender means to me and what would happen if I truly surrendered. And um, I just knew that my way didn't work. And I think that trusting in God is probably one of the hardest things that I have learn to do and it's only happened over like a, a great amount of time um, because I I didn't really trust that I would be okay I thought I would be fat and miserable you know like if if I didn't I, I did a lot of weird things like I I don't think I ever ate breakfast I, I told you I ate, my eating was all weird I weighed myself every Monday I swear I had it in a square on my calendar you know and I think um I think Allison said it last week too. You know, um, if it was up, I was I felt disgusting and I ate, and if it was down, I was so excited I ate. So, um, and I did it every Monday. Okay, so when I got abstinent, I threw my scale out. I, don't, I haven't had a scale in 22 years. You know, when I got pregnant, you cannot say I'm not getting weighed. And when you have surgery, there is no like you're not weighing me. They're like sorry, um, but uh, you know. I don't weigh myself, and I, I have no desire to get on a scale. You know, it was it was really torturous for me. It was probably one of the worst experiences ever. And um, you know, 
I just started doing the deal. And, and I remember walking down the street and thinking, okay, would I really be happier if I was five pounds thinner? Would I really, would my life be different? And I, I remember this one time, I can remember it really clear. I can remember the street I was on, but I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to pretend that I am five pounds thinner or whatever I want a ten pounds thinner. And I'm going to be as happy as I would be right then, you know. And um, and I wore, as I told Lisanne, loose clothes that fit me, you know, because um, gone were those days. Of, I, I used to do all this other thing, too. I guess once I had no scale, I had a tape measure. That was a bad item as well. And I had my skinny jeans, you know. I had these jeans that I think I had when I got sober. I was quite strung out. Of, you know, I was a tweaker, so I was very skinny. And um, I used to try them on periodically. I would go into the closet, and then I would start trying a multitude of things, which then led me down the spiral of death, you know. So I, I remember when I got rid of them, you know. You know, like I'm done. You know, I mean, I know that in my life I have to live with things as they are today. I can't live in yesterday. I can't live in tomorrow. That's why we live one day at a time. So I buy clothes that fit me today. You know, I I, do, I wear clothes that fit now. I'm. I mean, I just can't get into. I used to do this, and it's come up a lot more as I'm getting older. You know, and I've had a lot of sick people around me. You know, my sponsor, I have a sponsor I've had for 16 years, and she has dementia. She has Alzheimer's, and she doesn't know who I am. And and my, you know, my dad's um, girlfriend of 35 years just died, and she was on hospice, and that, you know, that's a bummer thing, you know. But I, I showed up because that's what I've learned is that I, I'm of love and service, and I do what I'm supposed to, whether. Actually, whether I like to or not, because my normal MO in life is I don't want to. If you ask me to do something, I would say no, no, um, no. I mean, just do you want to go? Are you going to work today? No. I mean, <laughs> no. Like, I don't want to do anything. And um, I don't say no. I say yes. Does that speak? Yes. Um, it's fine. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't really know what's best for me, because really, in looking back over all this time, everything has worked out exactly as it should. So I, I, I stopped throwing up. I got abstinent. I, I tried my best. My meals were not great in that first year at all. I mean, they were so-so. I tried, though, you know, and um, I guess I probably had that illusion of perfection, you know, that I hear people talk about all the time, which I don't, I don't, I don't think it exists. But I, what I really wanted, which is pretty much what I have, is I wanted sane and guilt-free eating. You know, I wanted to be able to go anywhere in the world like I go to 7-Eleven and whip together a little meal in the 7-Eleven. I mean, I can. I've been away. I've been in out of the country where I have gotten together a meal, you know. And um, I ended up, um, you know, going through the steps. I think my my big amends, which I always will remember, is I ate in the supermarket all the time. Like I was unable to actually go through a supermarket without getting food from the bins and then eating it while I was there and that's free, right? Um, <laughs> wrong. That's stealing. And um, I, uh, I, I, it, I put it off and finally my sponsor said, pick a day and do them all. So I all right. So I picked the day and I started, you know, I had like nine markets on there and um, I started somewhere. I just picked up an amount, you know, and I, the first one was like excruciating, you know, and by the time I, I worked my way across Santa Monica and all around and wherever, I ended up at Vicente across the street 
and I, I was pretty good at it by that part time in the day. And he said, the guys was like, 12 steps, right on, you know. Um, and I have to say, after paying all that money back to the markets, I've never eaten in the market since then. Uh, that food is not free, you know, that is stealing, you know. Like, I would steal your, I, I would steal, like, if you walked out of the room at work, I would eat your food while you were gone, you know. Um, I did all that weird stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I got I got married, and I got divorced, and that's a whole other thing, you know, it was a hideous nightmare. But when I got married, I um, I I learned, like, I learned in OA that if food is calling my name, I can throw it out. And I lived on the 12th floor on Ocean Avenue. I had a great apartment, so I would walk to the trash chute, I would drop my food, there's no taking it out of the trash chute, and... Um, when I got married, like, my husband was in AA, and he would come with, like, the brownies from the meeting, and i throw them out, you know? <laughs> I just remember him going, where's the brownies? And I'm like, I threw them out, and he's like, you can't throw my food out. Um, so I, I've learned over time, like, in my house now, there's a lot of food that's my daughter's, my wife's, stuff that I just don't really eat. But it's weird because it doesn't call my name, you know, um... I don't, I don't really think about it. And if, if it is a problem, I usually stop eating it. So, yeah, so I got married. You know, I got pregnant. That freed me of a lot of image of what I thought my body, my will should be. You know, I thought, my, I, thought I could manipulate my body into something, which I'm so proud to say. I used to think, like, 11-year-olds looked good. You know, I had this thing, you know, where now sometimes I'm in like yoga or somewhere and I will see some girl that is so skinny and it doesn't look good to me anymore. It looks, it makes me sad. Like it looks like there's a lot of pain with that kind of body, you know, and um, when I got pregnant, I realized that my body is not mine. It's doing something all its own, you know, and my weight was going up and, you know, I didn't gain a lot of weight when I was pregnant. I did really well. My food changed completely. You know, uh, I was like so starving. I could like chew my arm off some of the time. I mean, I just remember eating dinner like in the car on the way home. My husband was like, where's dinner? I'm like, I couldn't wait. You know, I just, I'm starving. And um, it just, it had to rearrange my ideas, which I think to live in the world, things change, you know, that what I did before might not work, you know, and I can change the things and be safe in that, you know, and my food changed, I had a baby, my body changed, I got back in shape, you know, I got a divorce, which was very hideous, I mean, now it's kind of like, me and my ex-husband get along really well, and you know you're like over something, when our our situation was truly hideous, um, it just involved another newcomer in our group, our group, I'll say that, in our AA group, not my newcomer either, and um, uh, when we split up, I literally thought I was going to die, I mean, I have never, I don't think ever in my entire life on this planet experienced pain of that caliber. I had a new baby. It was it was horrible. And um, what I learned through that was, you know, first I just think there are no mistakes. You know, I picked him too. I mean, you know, nobody dropped him off for me. And, um, and so I have a part in everything. I mean, because I was like... You know, I could have been the big victim, you know, and being a victim does not work. Um, first, nobody ever feels really sorry enough for me, and I don't really appear to be all that, like, weak. So I'm pretty <laughs> solution-oriented, and I appear strong, so the weak, uh, whatever. So I had to learn, first of all, to accept that I was a single mother. I still am a single mother. I have a boyfriend for the last seven years, but... I can do it, you know, I could do hard things that I don't think I can do, and my sponsor kicked my butt in that area, I mean, was 
had me sobbing, you know, because um, I was ready. I like to quit. I'm a really good starter. I can start. I'm strong. I'm good for, like, two weeks, and then I'm over it, um, <laughs> especially if I'm good at it, you know. Like, I just want to be good fast, but I don't want to, like, like I want to wake up and speak French. I don't want to speak French fast. I just want to speak French, you know. And that is the way I'm kind of wired. And uh, being a parent is a super hard job. And being a single parent, and my daughter was snarly and strong, and she's very contrary. She's really nice now, but... Um, we had a lot of fun together, and it was just a hard time, you know, and, and during that time, I I really got close to God, you know, it was that thing, like, in the middle of the night when you wake up, who's there, you know, um, you know it was called the central office, I, I guess OA isn't open, but AA is, um, they have people from doing the midnight to eight shift, but uh, I had to work on knowing that God would take care of me, you know, that I trusted my sponsor, that I was going to be okay, and, and um I got really skinny, you know, I was trying to get skinny. I started smoking again. I was smoking Lucky Strikes. I was running marathons. I was insane. And, um, but I was really skinny, like to the point where, I mean, my mom was bringing me insure. It was, it was weird. And, um, what I can take from that, you know, um, is that skinny doesn't equal happiness. You know, that was my big lesson. Like, here I am. I must weigh 90 something pounds and, um, I'm really unhappy, you know, so, that got rid of that old idea, you know, because I had that definitely thin equals happy. Thin is happy. And I think that I have that big emptiness inside of me, and stuff does not fill it. Because I tried to shove stuff in there as well, you know, cars, clothes, houses, stuff, trips, people. Yeah. Um, doesn't work. And um, it's all about really my spiritual connection, you know, and what my relationship like is with my God. I got through that, you know, um, I'm a good mom. I've I, The thing I know about myself now, first, I'm not afraid to be alone. I can do anything. Um, I've had to stand up for her in a lot of ways that I didn't think I could, and it's just pushed me. You know, it's pushed me places that I would not go myself. I wouldn't sign up for it because it looks too hard and scary. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, I have, I'm in a really good relationship today, you know. I mean, my, my boyfriend's not... Not an AA. He has no food problem. You know, he'll have ice cream and whatever. And um, he's thin, and you know, he's in great shape. But you know, we have a night. We have a good relationship. And and you know, I, I sponsor a lot of girls in this room, and they're a joy in my life. You know, sometimes they tell me they have people they sponsor that drive them crazy. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the sponsorship world. Um, but I think that's where it's all at. You know, it's, it's about giving it away. You know, if you don't give it away, you're not going to keep it. You know, I don't come here, get it, keep it for myself, and then leave. And um, I uh, I had that experience where there was a time where I wasn't, everything was all right. I think I was thin from my divorce, and all this time went by, and I wasn't going to a lot of OA. And, boy, that whole obsession thing came back where I was afraid to be alone. I was afraid to go home. I was afraid to be around food. And it was frightening, you know, and I just jumped back in and got back on track. And that's kind of what I do now. Like, recently my jeans got a little tight. And, you know, like I said, I just probably have been eating more. I've had a lot of, like, really crappy stuff, you know, just heavy stuff. And um, I just dialed it down you know that's my big slogan I just dial it down I just cleaned it up dialed it down you know just been trying to eat just I think healthy spiritual food that God, God would want me to eat that burns clean in my body that'll give me the energy I need to get through the day that's all you know and that's really all I can do I can't I, I don't know I guess my, my thoughts about it are changing so much too with this experience with 
just getting older with my daughter being closer to leaving like what's really important in life you know is it that I'm skinny I doubt it um, is that what people are going to remember about me it's not what I like about people I like people because of who they are you know and um, so I feel I feel good you know I feel close to God I miss my sponsor like madly I mean I can't even tell you how much I miss my sponsor my sponsor was wise she knew everything about me everything and um I can't change that. You know, she's never coming back. I did go cut her hair on Monday, and I said to her, do you know who I am, Marion? And she looked at me, and she said, you're the best. <laughs> and uh, she doesn't know. She knows that she likes her haircut because I've always cut her hair. And, you know, that was like a hard thing to swallow. I have a new sponsor, but it's totally different. You know, it's different. She's an awesome, she's an AA. I don't have an OA sponsor, and, and she's awesome. She works an amazing program. I have people in front of me that are very, very active, my sponsor was active. She's sober, you know, 45 years, and that's what I want. You know, I want to stay in the center, and I want to keep doing it, you know, and I want people that are examples to me of what it looks like, and that's what my sponsor was. She was just an amazing, amazing woman and wise. Like, God spoke through her. I don't know how, but she always had the right answer, and I don't believe it's also about following. I don't believe it's the direction sometimes. I think it's the willingness to follow the direction that makes you better. Like, it just means not doing it my way. Like, I don't know why that works. I swear it's like a magical, weird thing, but I trusted her, and I did everything she said, and things have worked out without me getting in the way. Um, So, you know what? I'm really, really lucky, and I, you know, guard this gift with, you know, everything. You know, I'm willing to go to any lengths today, you know, to live a day at a time and to have that kind of freedom that comes from, you know, working the steps and, and living, you know, kind of uh, on the on the broad highway, as it says, the broad spiritual highway in the book, you know. So I, I hope that if you knew you get a book and you read the big book because that's really where all the answers are, you know, how it works for Alcoholics Anonymous and how it works over here, you know, and... um you know, there you can stop. You know, when I was new, I just needed to know that I could stop. And I can tell you, if you're new, you can stop eating. You can stop whatever you're doing, throwing up, exercising, any other weird laxative. You know, I, I didn't do some of those things, but I, I'm a bit nutty. And um, I, I pass for normal. You know, I look like a normal eater at work. I bring my lunch. You know, everybody's on a diet there. It's like a joke. Um, but uh, I just bring my lunch and keep doing what I'm doing because it's worked for me. So I think... I'll stop and I can take a couple questions. Mickey? Hi, Leslie. Could you talk again a little bit of what, what you say, what you have your new, uh, what you have your sponsees write um, at the very beginning when you sponsor them? Uh, Mickey wants to know what I have my sponsees write. It's all the ways I tried to control my food and my weight. Which on that list, I have heard some, some things I never did. I mean, people have had surgeries, and we didn't have liposuction when I got um, abstinent either. But I mean, I've heard some crazy things. So all the ways you try to control your food and your weight, and then what surrender means to you, and what would happen if you truly surrendered, which is basically the first step. Because if you don't take the first step, you're not going to stay. I mean, that's kind of the only step you do perfectly is you know, admitted that you were powerless over food and that your life is unmanageable, you know, and then you can kind of take it from there. But if you don't admit it, so it just gives you kind of a history to look at your insanity. Thank you so much. How do you use the 12 steps when you work with your daughter and your family? 
Um, how do I work the 12 steps when I work with my daughter and my family? Um, I don't know if I really think about that. I mean, I just think that I am an example of the program out in the world. Like, I might be all that somebody sees. You know, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I work in the salon. I, I know a lot of people. I don't tell people, but I guess in, so sometimes it comes up and then they think, well, she's doing well. You know, with my family, I mean, I made amends to my, I was horrible to my parents. So, I mean, I had an incident with my daughter recently, which gave me a small glimmer of what it is like to have a drinking. I mean, I was horrible. Like, I was hardcore. I'm not like, I didn't have a glass of wine. You know, I was all the way. So I already made amends to my mother, to my father. I think to my stepdad, I said, I'm so sorry I was mean to you. He goes, you were horrible. I mean, he, he ripped it, you know. Um, but the book doesn't say you don't do it for, you know, they don't have to embrace you with open arms. Um, he, you know, we get along great. But my deal with them was really, it was a living amends. You know, I mean, I have learned to keep my mouth shut with my family. Um, I always went to meetings. You know, my, my parents worked around my meeting schedule. I was pretty firm. When I was new, I was... I go to a meeting just to just to just. I went at night. I didn't go in the day. I mean, so I didn't do family things on certain times. I mean, but they wanted me sober, you know. So the the food, I didn't really discuss it in great lengths, like with my dad or even with my mom, because um, I'd already kind of made amends to them. And I think with my daughter, like our whole family, our whole life is like that. I mean, I pray in the morning. I pray in the night. I'm on my knees. So she always comes in and goes, what are you praying about? You know, pray for me. Um, I'm like, we can't pray for things, you know. Um, I pray for God's will. That's what I pray for, you know. Like, thy will not mine be done, really. I don't believe you can pray for anything. Um, it says that in the book. But, um, I mean, I answer the phone all the time. I mean, she chimes in and gives you direction, you know. I mean, my daughter's got, have a healthy snack. That's her big thing. Have a piece of fruit. Um, uh but you know what? She just has grown up. I mean, around, I don't bring her to meetings. I don't think kids should sit in meetings, especially when they're little, especially like AA meetings. No, it's because we laugh about hideous things. And OA, I mean, I just, she did not come to meetings with me. But she, she obviously, she's such an eavesdropper. You know, she listens to me on the telephone all the time. But um, you know what? She, we just live that life. That is my life. You know, it's about love and service. People in my life that I help, like all you girls, you know, and, um, going to meetings and keeping it first. I never, you know, she can beg and say, stay home, I'm still going. You know, I, I never, I go. I go to speak, I go, whatever. She's, like, used to it. So I think the biggest thing that I have learned, first, there's a couple things which I think are helpful, is, one, restraint of tongue. You know, super hard, but I have learned to really shut my mouth because my mouth used to just, my daughter would say, eh, 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 and then we'd be like, eh, eh, eh. it's like a ping, do, 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 do. Now I can just, not say anything. I used to count. I mean, I can do all sorts of different tricks, but I just don't say anything. And even with my boyfriend, with if it's mean, you can't retract. So that stuff digs deep and sticks with people. So I don't say much. And if I don't know what to do, I don't do anything. And I don't know why that's huge until I talk to my sponsor. And if I can't get a hold of my sponsor, I wait. You know, I mean, we didn't have cell phones and stuff when I first came in, so I would wait. I couldn't always call my sponsor immediately. And there's something about waiting in between making a decision, too, that I think lets God come in, lets a little air blow through, lets me calm down and not do something, because I'm pretty reactive sometimes. I mean, I'm better now, but 
um, I think those things have held me in great stead, you know, just to, to run it by somebody else because I need sometimes a different perspective on things, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, our house is in, it's a program house, you know. I, I live by the 12 steps. I mean, I live in 10, 11, and 12. That's where I live my life now. I don't really go through all the other steps. I live in 10, 11, and 12, you know, and... Um, that's it, you know. And I think it's about love and service, really. You know, that was Dr. Bob's last talk. He talked about being of love, guarding your tongue. Clancy always talks about that, which does so much harm, and being of love and service and not being too busy for the new person that's coming in, you know. And that's why, on this note, I, I, I don't agree with that I'm full and I don't sponsor people or I, I don't believe in that. We don't do that in AA. Like, somebody might die. You know, always say yes. Always say yes. You never know what you're going to get out of it, what you're going to give to people. You never know. Like, I can be a lot busier than I think I can be. So I just believe you have to help the new people coming in because you want them to be welcomed warmly, you know, and know that they're safe and there, there is a solution here. So thanks for letting me share.